0: Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Pastor Michael Teddy, Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and bring it to the streets. Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail, if you want to interact, ask us a couple of questions, um, we'll be happy to answer them. Got my man, Pastor Michael, back on with me today. Pastor Michael, what's happening? Let the people know what's going down.
1: Yeah, uh, it's good to be back with you for another show, so I'm Michael. I'm pastor of small church here in the southern tip of India. And so God has been gracious and kind to us. Um, and I give him all the thanks and praise. And it's just such a joy that technology allows us to do podcasts like this to discuss about the gospel from two ends of the globe. And, um, and just uh, we're making war with the kingdom of Satan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... and- like the archangel said the lord rebuke you right the lord rebuke yeah. <laughs> you um okay i got you buddy i got you on and you know you know i like to challenge pastor michael because you know he's a he's a deep thinker he's a he's a guy that does not duck the hard stuff and and again when we speak about end time views um i told you pastor michael that one guy uh, said that He's a pan-millenniist, it's all gonna pan out in the end, right? But but yeah, but you know, I've been interested myself, so that's why I'm gonna pick Pastor Michael's uh, brain on this. I've been interesting my interested myself in the post-millennial view, and then and just to give you a synopsis of this, the post-millennial view, this would really probably rustle some feathers who are not familiar with the view, is a view that actually talks about that the world will get to a point, is going to get better uh, before Christ returns. It's just going to turn more towards the things of God. And you would think right now that's a tough play. But, you know, I was thinking the other day, Pastor Michael, and I want you to expound on this a little bit. I was thinking the other day, you know, we, I know the I mean, obviously we see how evil the world is today, but I was thinking about the Assyrians when they would capture people, they would, you know, they would, they would put like hooks in the people's upper lips or mouths and they would take them. So, I mean, this world has been pretty evil for a while. So and and we know pretty good scholars on the side of this post-millennial view. One of the books I'm I'm reading right now, I just got, and I've had it, is a book called "The Last Days According to Jesus" by R. C. Sproul. And I think Sproul's going to come on a, a postmillennial view here, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so. I'm going to turn it over to you and and maybe you can, I know this is a, you know, end times are always fun to talk about. They're usually secondary issues, right? Tertiary issues. Nobody's going to, but, but what may, I hate to use this word, but what may attract you or what make, what what may make you lean to a post-millennial view if you are
1: leaning that way? Yeah. um, I think, yeah, to answer that uh, that question, I think I would start with why I even leaned into eschatology, because this was a subject that I had put off for a very long time. Um, I don't see you of putting reason-
0: off anything, but that's okay. It's good to
1: know. <laughs> see, I like that. So, uh, what are, yeah, one what are, of what are the reasons that I, um, that I tend to put it off was because of the same thing. It's a tertiary issue. It's not binding to... Uh, the essentials that I need to know, that I need to do, uh, you know, my Christian life and faith right now. Uh, I'm I don't need to be decided on eschatology, and so that that was my reasoning for why I kept putting it off. Um, but that's poor reasoning, you know. At some point, um, <laughs> I, I I you know I kind of sat myself down <laughs> with the Bible, and uh, I started asking some tough questions and you know, uh, people like John Piper and Doug Wilson and all of them were a great help to think on these subjects. Uh, But Jesus gives us a lot for us to know and recognize. You know, one of the things that he says, I was just looking at it in Matthew 16, 3, he says, uh, in the morning, you know, we say that it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. And so Jesus says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Uh, Jesus did not want us to be unaware. And the Bible is full of clues, if we can call it that. It's full of clues on what God intends to do in the coming days, uh, what the last days look like. And so, if it's in the Bible, it's in the Bible for a reason. And uh, I need to study this. And so, I started putting, you know, myself through some of these things. Started reading, and I'm much, I'm very much still in the process of reading and trying to understand the different positions. And um, well, the point being, after a lot of study, I was a pre-millennial. Uh, so. For for people for the, for you know to help people who are not familiar with these words, uh, when we're talking about the millennium, we're talking about the thousand-year rule of Christ, a thousand-year period of peace that the Book of Revelation talks about. In one place, uh, I you know, Doug Wilson. Uh, I don't know if he's quoting somebody else, but he says the millennium is a thousand years of peace that Christians like to fight about and uh so that's that's really yeah it's good yeah (laughs) so it's you know that's what that's the millennium and so pre post and our millennials are just there's three positions on when is jesus coming back is he going to come back before the millennium is he going to come back after the millennium and what are the sequence of events that happen and so for a long period of time i was a pre-millennial i believed in uh uh, you know the seven-year period of tribulation, the first three and a half periods of you know. I was the left-behind kid, the whole movie. You know, so if you want the premillennial view uh, that's held by the majority of the Christian world today, just watch the left-behind movies, Pastor Michael. And you know um,
0: that view, though it's held by many, is really an old view. It's 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 a it's it's a newer view. It came up in the 1800s, I think, by Darby. So that's not really right. an, that's that's kind of a even though it's taken the world, um, in fact, even uh, I think uh, uh, John MacArthur and them will call himself like leaky dispensationalist, right? But I'm saying yeah, that's more of a um, a newer view. I think in the 1800s would be the rapture view, the left behind series, and and things like that. So um, please, okay, Absol- go ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, so that that's the majority view that a lot of the you know uh, uh, a lot of Christians hold today. But even there, you know, the distinction that you rightly mentioned is that you know there are historic pre-millennials, there are uh, you know the more progressive modern pre-millennials. There are so there are a lot of nuances in and around that as well. But generally, the premillennial millennial view is that. Um, yeah, Jesus comes before the millennium and then rules on earth here with all of us. He rules the world uh, for a thousand-day period of peace. Um, so the pre-millennials are generally looking for the end times to happen soon. They're, they're, progressively, they're looking for the world to get worse. They are looking for Christ to come and save the world. And um, after about a few years of predicting the end of the world, And reading about people who predicted the end of the world every century. And uh, we were getting something wrong, you know. And so I started studying more on this. And uh, what what drew me to post-millennialism at the end of the day and why I am leaning towards post-millennialism is because of its optimism. Uh, That was the first thing. And it's an odd thing. It's an odd reason, maybe for many people. But uh, hey, if eschatology is something that I'm still studying about, and uh, it's a tertiary doctrine, then postmillennialism is the most optimistic, joyful position among the lot. And so that, that was one of the greatest influences. The second thing is I learned that whatever your view on the end times, it does affect how you do ministry today. Great point. That's a great point. So uh, I know a lot of churches in in my uh, locality. I know a lot of churches in India where they teach people to, with with a higher spiritual decision.
0: Just Mike, Pastor Mike, I want you to get there, but I just, for, for sake of our time, can we just get the millennial view just for so we, we round that out? Are you going to get to that? I know that you're speaking about post millennium right now, but right. just the amill uh, just for a second so we round it out.
1: Right. So when we're talking about the post-mill or the amill, uh, so the amill is not somebody who is necessarily uh, trying to, they're not talking about a literal thousand-year period of Amen. Peace, right? They're, they're trying to say that it's a symbolic period. The postmills will also agree at some level on that. It's a symbolic period. It's a lot of time. But the army is not so much trying to find where the return of Christ necessarily lands. But what they're trying to say is that th- there's that the that's the spiritual role of Christ. That's uh, not going to be an earthly role necessarily. But the amillennial view is also trying to tell you, you know, what is it is similar to premillennialism in its general, if I may use the word, pessimism, which is they too believe that the world is getting worse. They believe that Christ needs to intervene. They believe persecution is going to increase. So they believe that um, we're heading in for a decline, you know, and the decline is progressive, it's just going to happen. And the post-millennial stands in contrast to both those views in saying that, no, it's going to get better. In fact, it's going to get better. We're going to preach the word of God and the gospel is going to spread across all nations. The world is going to be Christianized. But again, to bring the clarity, the post-millennial is not saying that it's always going to be better. As in, they're not projecting a graph that just keeps going up what they're trying to say is in the grand scheme of things although we see the graph go up and down up and down each valley will have a great amount so over a large period of time you will see improvement in getting actually better but over that period of time there'll definitely be ups and downs you know there might be bursts of persecution here and there there might be a great battle lost uh, by christians in many of these uh, uh, circles in many of these situations uh, so that's just some of the elements of these three views and um, when i when i think about the post millennial view like i was saying it, it whichever view you take it affects the way you live your life today mm. so i know a lot of churches that teach people that the greatest spiritual Service that you can do for Christ is to quit your job and to get into full time ministry. It's either to quit your jobs and go out as missionaries or quit your jobs and serve full time in the church because that's the higher calling. Because the world is about to end soon and we need to get the gospel out to as many people as possible. So you see how eschatology affects how you train people, whereas the post mill will be teaching people to be better engineers, to be better doctors, to be better businessmen. We'll be teaching them to go out into the world and be Christian influencers in the world, preaching and teaching the gospel, and be equipped and prepared for this kingdom of heaven to be established on the earth. In other words,
0: to Christianize the world through the Spirit of God, through the preaching of the word, and the other thing that I found out when I was studying post mill on, 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 on the down low, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> is I found out that when Christ speaks about the last days, some uh, post mill scholars will say he's speaking about the last days concerning the old Testament. That would be yeah. the last days. And this now we, if, if you're a post mill post miller, so to speak, these the newer days now is not the last days that he's going to come, but the the last days of the Old Testament. Now in the New Testament, we turn around and Christianize the world through the preaching of the gospel. Does that does that fit into the? And that was
1: and that was um, I think pretty well said. Yeah. So we've got you know Jesus, any reference to the second coming of Christ throughout the New Testament has a sense of urgency. So you have Jesus telling the apostles that uh, when he sends them out in Paris, he tells them, you will not go out through all the cities of Je- you know Israel uh, before the son of man reaches. So the son of man is going to come before you reach all the cities of uh, Israel. And if we just take it, take the word of his word for it, uh, it should have happened. It should have happened before that. Jesus, in fact, says, uh, there are those of you who will not taste death before you see the Son of Man come, uh, right? And he, 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 there's a lot of references to that. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the very opening of that book is talking about the revelation of Christ Jesus and his coming that is soon. So we are told everywhere that there is an urgency and immediate effect. In fact, Jesus looks at, at the people and tells them, that when this time happens, what they need to do, you need to flee to the mountains. It's going to be bad for pregnant women. It's all instructions that seem to be given to the people. There's an immediate uh, need of it. In fact, the apostles carried through that kind of a message. They spoke about the end times, the coming of the Lord with that sense of urgency, you know, and um, uh, you know, we read Hebrews 10, 25. You know, let's not forsake the gathering of one another, especially considering that these are the last days. And so uh, you take all of that into effect. Uh, it seems to be that uh, we have to push into the text uh, that it didn't happen, you know. And so it, I think R.C. pro is one person who says uh, that's a good argument against scripture. That people can give by saying, look, scripture didn't fulfill those prophecies. It didn't come to pass. But the postmill says it did come to pass and it did come to pass. It came to pass in AD 70, you know, when uh, that's when the persecution, the Roman legions came came down on uh, Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, people fled to the mountains.
0: In fact, I think Luke. Uh, Which is written after that. Luke actually mentions that. Luke said that that did it. And Luke writes after um, that. Luke actually says, you know, when you see the army, when the armies were surrounded, you know. So, yeah, that's that's a great point. And that's and I believe that that is the destruction of the temple. Um, right, you know, and you had a flea, and 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 uh, I, I think most fl- uh, fled to Pella or up in that region and stuff like that. So, yeah, Luke, Luke actually, um, Luke actually seen that prophetic material come
1: true, right? In, in fact, that was one of the reasons that historically uh, the Christians and the Jews had their final separation. Uh, Because when the destruction, when the war came, the Christians weren't there to fight with the Jews. They were fleeing to the mountains. They were abandoning because that's what they were instructed to do. And so what the post-millennial view teaches is that the the time of the tribulation, the time of the Antichrist, all of that is done. In fact, in the book of Revelation, we uh, hear about uh, how Satan will be bound for the millennium that Satan will be bound and then there'll be a thousand years period of peace. And uh, we were, as a church, we were studying uh, uh, from Matthew and uh, I was, I think it's uh, in Matthew 12 where uh, uh, Jesus, you know, they, they accused Jesus of uh, uh, driving out demons by the power of demons. He's a prince of demons is what they accuse him of doing. And Jesus' response to them is, you cannot plunder the house of a strong man until you bind him first, right? Jesus is saying, I am casting out demons because I have bound the strong man of the house, which is Satan. So Jesus bound the enemy and was able to drive out demons. It, is a, it was a sign of triumph. It was the sign of overcoming. So when we say Satan is bound for the period of peace, Jesus did that, right? And his the cross was the decisive blow. It was the, it, it was the decisive victory against the kingdom of the enemy. In fact, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? So Christ is ruling now.
0: Yeah. So the 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 arm mill view and I and again, I, there's a lot of the arm mill view and the post mill view have some some sim, similarities. The the right. arm mill view would be that Satan is bound right now. He's on a leash. You know, I mean, he right. only can go so far. He's got a governor on him um, and the arm mill. And I think and, and again, I want to be careful because I'm, I'm looking at this stuff, too. The arm mill view would be like Satan is bound right now. He's got a governor on him. I mean, he can go only so far. And then I think that when he gets released, I I think the release is going to be a a quick release and then um, obviously would be defeated by the the sword of our Lord and Savior's mouth and however that uh, apocalyptic literature goes. Now, does the Post Mill um, view believe that Satan is bound right now and, and, and under a governor, so to speak, like the R-mill position?
1: Yeah, so th- that, is, that is the belief, that, that Satan is bound, Satan is defeated. Satan is, is a foe that can fight but cannot deceive the nations anymore, like he used to in the Old Testament. Um, so in the New Testament, he doesn't have that uh, power, uh, that uh, he's not been given that freedom. He's bound. And so, uh, so we're now living the millennial period, the the age of the millennia. And that's going to be lasting as long as it would. And the Amil believed the same thing. Okay, you, two minutes. I got one question
0: for two minutes, if, if possible. Right. I know it's going to be tough. Um, when Satan is released for the thousand years, is that symbolic? And just give me, can you do that in two minutes and then... And then I'll, I'll get you, I'll, I'll leave you, I'll leave you alone with this end time stuff for about a week or two. How's that?
1: Right. Um, so I think, uh, so from what I am reading, what I've understood is there are d- debates around what that looks like, what that's going to be like, that it's possible that, so the general post-millennial view is that the Christian influence will grow Till a lot of people come to faith, and the the whole you know uh, earth is Christianized. And um, what does it look like post that millennium when the when the enemy is let out to uh, test and tempt and uh, deceives many people, and there's a war, and then the final coming and those aspects of it. Um, so I'm still not very clear about how that's going to pan out, how that's going to play out on that side of things. Uh, But what what seems to be inclining my heart is when I look at the world in 500-year periods, I cannot but see that the Christian influence is growing, that the gospel is spreading, that the world is getting safer, that the world is getting... uh, And and remember, we're looking at 500-year periods at a time. We're seeing a gradual growth and increase. And then we live in the period of technological advancement and all the growth that we see. Uh, the world's just exploding. It's getting better. And I, I'm very optimistic about its future. So it's affected the way I do my ministry. You know, and uh, I'm still learning about the subject, I'm still open to hear the different points of view. But it is so freeing not to teach the people or to live every day as though the world is going to end tomorrow. Amen. But actually to ask them to plant and set their roots and settle in for the long haul, because God's given us years, let's work for generations to come so that people 500 years from now will know what we believe and be blessed by what we believe.
0: Amen. Okay. So, I know you got baby Ethan coming next week, so we're going to leave you alone, but um, we're hoping you get a little uh, more time to study because I we're going to wait with bated breath of Pastor Michael Teddy is going to teach us the post-millennial view on Satan coming back for the thousand years or how that works. Oh, when, I'm sorry, when Satan is released from that. So you're going to have a little studying to do, Um, and, but this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Yes. Um, (laughs) but it does tell us to continue to preach the gospel because there are people that need to be saved and whatever your view is, do not think just because even if your view is that the world's going to end tomorrow, right? You still, there's still people need to be saved. And we shouldn't have right. the attitude. Let's just, you know, lock our doors. And and I think that's what the 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 church in uh, Thessalonica Paul says. Man, if you don't weak, if you don't uh, if you don't work, you don't eat. So this has really been an enlightening conversation, Pastor Michael Teddy, my co-host. I love this guy. Um, he'll be with his family next week, so pray for him. Um, and this is Pastor Dominic Romaldi. Uh, Street Talk Theology. Will me and Pastor Michael bring theology and we bring it to the streets. And we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. And in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.